I'm Alex Wong, and the Wong Takes start now. Tuesday, May 8th, 2018. Good to be back on Tuesday. I like to say that whenever we can't record on a Tuesday and then come back. Comfort is a good thing, just in general. I appreciate it for one. And, uh, anyway, why don't we, I don't know, what's been going on this week? AP tests are getting underway. Students like myself, in fact, I just took one. Pretty exhausting, but hopefully some sports can get you through it, either from me or wherever you get your sports. So, uh, let's talk about really what else but the NBA playoffs. There's so much to get to. So we're well into the second round of the playoffs. Uh, One series is over. The rest of them are still... Going on, I think the games tonight uh, is going to be Warriors and uh, Pelicans and the Jazz and the Rockets happening right now. Uh, so good stuff going on. First series that we can go gloss over today is Boston-Philadelphia. I haven't kept up full tabs on the series as much as everyone else, but I know that the Celtics have, despite, of course, being gone, their two biggest stars been able to play well in the clutch and managed to get uh, three wins over Philadelphia. First one by 16, second game by five, and the third game by three. Uh, and then the third game, 76ers made some crucial mistakes at crucial times. I think as they move farther into the playoffs, their inexperience is starting to show. I mean, the, against the Heat, uh, we weren't really able to see the 76ers uh, just the youth of their stars, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, etc. Uh, and they're going to need to get, if they want to continue on in this series, uh, contributions from players that are not named Joel Embiid, that are not named uh, J.J. Redick. Guys like, in Game 4, T.J. McConnell, who had uh, 19 points and played a major part in lifting Philadelphia over Boston by 11 in Game 4 to keep the series alive. It's going to be tough for Philadelphia to win in Boston. I mean, they haven't been able, they didn't, weren't able to do it in Games 1 or 2, and Game 1 was a blowout, which didn't help. TD Garden is always a great environment, uh, even though home court advantage maybe isn't as big of a factor in basketball as it could be in other sports. Uh, but it, it's going to be tough for Philadelphia to win on the road. Uh, if they went on the road three and they get it to 3-2, I mean, honestly, anything can happen from there. Uh, but Philadelphia is going to have to have a full-team effort to beat this Boston team because this Boston team has been having full-team efforts as well. I mean, with their stars out, they've had to have a variety of scores. Uh, Tatum, Scary Terry Rozier, Al Horford, their uh, one all-star uh, on the team. Marcus Morris, who was talking back to Joel Embiid, uh, during Game 4, uh, they they have an edge to them that is good to have uh, when you're a team that's down your stars because they're, they've been uh, ignored, dismissed in these playoffs because of the fact that they are injured. But if they can develop an edge to them that teams like, say, the Raptors, who we'll talk about later, didn't have, um, that can lead them well against guys like 
LeBron or Embiid or Harden. Uh, of course, I'm going way into the future. But it's things like that that really separated team from everyone else. Um, this series is going to be a lot of fun to watch Game 5. I believe it's tomorrow. Uh, so let's move on there to the series that just wrapped up yesterday. Cleveland Cavaliers and the Toronto Raptors. Cleveland dominated the series, winning Game 1 and 2 at home. Game 1 by 1 point. Game, or Sorry, on the road, Game 2 by 18. And Game 3, they won by 2. Game 4, they won by 35. The rap the Raptors are a weird bit. I mean, you at times they look competent, like in Game One when they had a lead over the Cavs in the fourth quarter before they blew it uh, and ended up losing in overtime. And then Game Three when they were able to come back uh, in, in the game despite being down double digit at half and make it a close one uh, before obviously LeBron's buzzer beater. But overall, they didn't really have the fight to them that you wanted to see. I mean. Coming into the series, Toronto had lost six straight games to Cleveland, two games uh, in a series two years ago, and then a sweep last year. Uh, so you, you, you should be able to come in with an edge and say, this team has knocked us out of the playoffs two years in a row. They've ended our season two years in a row. We need to come out and attack and be the aggressors uh, and show them that we are the number ones. They're, they're coming and struggling, and we're the number one seed, and we had a record year, and our coach might be the coach of the year. And we need to show them that we're different because they the message that they wanted to present this year was, look, we're different. We can beat teams like the Cavs and the Warriors and the Rockets. But, I mean, ignoring personnel, if you flip the channel from last year to this year, it's the exact same story. I mean, they come up close a few times, but at the end of the day, they they, they can't do anything to stop LeBron. And they can't do anything to stop this Cavaliers team. And part of that might be the supporting cast in Cleveland starting to step it up, unlike the Indiana series. But Toronto has just made the Cavs look really good, like they're a championship-caliber team, which for the majority of the regular season and the first series uh, against Indiana, they did not look like a championship team. But now, after sweeping the Raptors, they're coming with a ton of confidence. And uh, the Raptors... Uh, have to start, I think, looking at, is it time to blow this all up? I mean, when you bench DeMar DeRozan in Game 4, or Game 3, sorry, uh, for the last, like, 14 minutes of the game in a, in a close game, too, uh, and you're saying you don't trust him to, I know he'd been lackluster all series, but you don't trust him to come clutch based on his prior performance. That's demoralizing to a star player to arguably the best player on your team, along with Kyle Lowry. So it, at this point, I mean, do you, how are you going to restore trust in DeRozan and the team? Uh, or are you just going to have to trade people away? Because clearly you are not a championship contender. If you lose to a number four seed Cleveland four games to zero, if you get swept by these Cavs, uh, how... How do you how how do you say to yourselves, we are doing the right thing, we're on the right track, because they've been stalled and that there does not appear a move they can. It doesn't look like there's a move they can make because they've already got two all stars on that team. They they don't really have the formula for like a super duper team, um, and if 
even if they did, I mean, it still wouldn't look like they could beat these Cavaliers or any team LeBron's on. So I think it might have to be time to start the rebuild. Uh, we the North, but not really the North. Meanwhile, for Cleveland, it's the story of, of course, who else but LeBron James. I mean, he's had a legendary playoffs thus far. Uh, this series averaging, what, 34 points a game, uh, buzzer beaters to wrap up to wrap up game three. It's a tough shot. I mean, if you ever tried it, fading back along the baseline, I mean, it's not an easy shot. Uh, and he made it look really easy. He led his team in scoring in all four games. Uh, I mean, what else is there to say? He's in his 15th season and shows no signs of slowing down, which is remarkable. I mean, he's better than ever, uh, if anything. He's got all the talent of his younger years. He doesn't appear to have lost a step, which is, again, remarkable considering how many minutes he's had to play going into the finals eight straight or seven straight years. Looks like it's going to be eight uh, if no one can get in his way. Uh, and and he's a lot combining that with being a veteran leader uh, in the in the locker room, just a complete player. And once again, the comparisons to Michael Jordan are starting to come up. I I'm not one to make cross era comparisons. I don't think it's fair, but uh, he is the best player of this generation, and it's really not even close. So that it, it's Cleveland if they can keep this up. If they can keep getting contributions from guys like Kevin Love, who averaged a double-double in this series in 20 points, guys like Kyle Korver, who averaged a couple threes a game, if they can get everyone else involved, I mean, there's no reason that this Cavaliers team, besides, of course, or well, there is a reason that they're not the same Cavaliers of old. I mean, obviously missing Kyrie Irving. But if they can get those pieces that they got out of that trade to really show up, then... Uh, there's no reason this Cavs team can't get back to the championship uh, like they have the last few years. Okay, next, uh, the Houston Rockets, who are playing right now in the Utah Jazz. Yeah, uh, we last week I was suggesting maybe this could be a series. It's not really a series anymore. Uh, Houston dominated Utah on Utah's home floor. And that's tough to do. I mean, I've said it. I mean, Utah is a tough place to play. Uh, combining the crowd and, and, and the environment, it, it's not easy to win there. And despite not being up to par with what they want to do, which is shoot threes, uh, like Chris Paul shooting under 30% on the series, uh, James Harden is shooting just over 30% on the series. So, I mean, it's not like they're they're lighting it up or anything. But they're still able to beat you in so many ways. I think one star that has really emerged from this series uh, has been Clint Capella, who has been on a tear. I mean, he he had 12 rebounds in Game 1, 15 rebounds in Game 4. He's been averaging 15 points and 11 rebounds in this game. I mean, I remember a few years ago, even last year, like Clint Capella was this really unpolished, just like big guy that can get you a couple of explosive blocks, but he couldn't really do much else. And now if he's starting to develop into a complete player that can be an anchor on the defensive end, I mean, that's a dang, that's dangerous for other teams because they're going to have to deal with a guy like that in, in tandem with three-point shooters, of course, Harden, Paul, Gordon, Ariza, uh, P.J. Tucker. Um, and being able to dominate this Utah team like that, particularly down low when 
Rudy, Go Rudy Gobert is a staple of this Jazz team. Uh, it This Rockets team looks as good right now as they have been uh, all year, maybe except for that 20-game winning streak. Uh, so this is going to be a scary team. Uh, Utah is still on the rise. I mean, I'm excited for them next year. I know I'm already calling them off. I uh, wish I didn't have to do that, but just the way this series looks to be turning out. But they they have a bright, bright future. Donovan Mitchell, their leading scorer uh, in the playoffs, has been is is just ridiculous. Just the pure athleticism, and he's only 21, so being able to develop into that consistent scorer, that type of franchise player that you want to get in a young explosive star combined with uh, Joe Ingles' ability to shoot the three. I mean, he's at a 46% clip in this series. He's not slacking off by any means. The stifle tower down low uh, as a rim, to rim protector. Jay Crowder, who you got in the Cleveland trade, he's no bum either. I mean, he can play defense. This team, I could see develop, really developing a good defensive identity uh, in the years to come. Uh, and they're pretty deep, too. Uh, Alec Burks, Royce O'Neal started to come to his own in this series, Dante Exum. So uh, this team is going to be a lot of fun, I think, uh, in in the years to come. I've said it a few times already. Uh, and then the Rockets, uh, they their their diversity is what's, what's going to be scary as they advance in these playoffs. I don't see Utah knocking them off. Uh, so that's that series. And let's head over to our last series. The Warriors and the Pelicans. The Warriors lead the series 3-1. to one. Uh, They won Game 1 to blow out. Game 2 was a blowout, but the score ended up being close at the end. Game 3, uh, the Pelicans won handily. In Game 4, the Warriors won handily. Similar story to the Rockets. I mean, the way the Pelicans dominated Game 3, uh, being able to stifle the Warriors, or not necessarily on offense, but the bigger story was the Pelicans' offense. And the Warriors inability to stop them they they really didn't come out and I think that's the the Achilles heel of the Warriors right now aside from of course like you know the in-game stuff like turnovers and whatever it's just complacency uh it, it's a similar story to the Cavs I mean if you've been here this long you're going to be complacent and in game and the microcosm of that is in game three I mean the Warriors are up two nothing they look to be fine in the series they they haven't really had any major stresses and the Pelicans come out soccer in the mouth get off to a hot start just never look back uh, and the Warriors didn't really have a defensive intensity that you wanted to see from a championship-level team. I mean, AD was just uh, being able to get whatever he wanted down low, uh, getting put-back dunks. The hustle players are going to the Pelicans. Um, and then what you what you wanted to see from the Warriors, what you expected from the Warriors is them to come back and and and, and really demonstrate who they are and what we all know them to be. And that's a an explosive team, a defensive-minded team. And they did that, holding the Pelicans to 92 points in Game 4 and scoring 118 of their own and never really looking like... Uh, they look like the Warriors of Games 1 and 2. Uh, I think it's a good lesson for them, a little small lesson that hopefully doesn't... for them doesn't blossom into anything bad in this series. Uh, game 5 is tonight at Oracle at 7.30, so they'll be looking to close this one out uh, pretty early as the Houston Rockets and Utah Jazz series looks to be coming to an end as well soon. Uh, but they're, they're, 
they look to be good given the state of what could be happening with them and what is happening with them. Uh, the Warriors are getting all-around contributions, especially in Game 4. Kevin Durant has shown that he is, with, with Steph Curry a bit hobbled, he's the premier scorer. Uh, he has the length. It's just sometimes that when, when Durant's hitting his mid-range jumpers, he's unstoppable because being as tall as he is, I think he's like, what, 6'10 or whatever, he can pull up over any guard that's taking him on. He can pull up over any small forward. Uh, and, and he showed that throughout this playoffs and throughout this series. Klay uh, Thompson, Steph Curry are, are doing what they always do. Draymond Green is doing what he always does, averaging a triple-double, 13.8 points, 11.3 rebounds, and 10.3 assists. Uh, remarkable as always. So I'm excited for this Warriors team. I'm excited. I'm excited for all the teams that will be moving on in this playoffs. And if we if we can do a little bit of a preview, maybe if you guys want, uh, just of what's to come, a Celtics Cavs series is going to be curious because depending on how depending on when the Celtics can close this series out, they're going to want to close it out as soon as possible because you want to take as much momentum as you can. Uh, going into the next series, I mean, you obviously can't match what the Cavs did, which is one uh, win five consecutive games and four against the East number one seed. But nonetheless, you can try to bring some confidence into a matchup against the uh, best player in the world. That's the only way you can beat him is hope you catch him on a bad night. Uh, defensively, I think they're going to have to try to double LeBron. I mean, the Raptors were never really able to do that successfully, and we see LeBron run all rub shot over them. Uh, but with the emergence of Cleveland's supporting cast, it's going to be tough to beat them. Uh, it, it's really kind of off and on. It's going to be hard to tell what happens next. Uh, the Rockets and Warriors appear to be on a collision course, and I don't, and I, I can't really give too many predictions about this series other than I think there will be more defense played than people are expecting, or or perhaps uh, traditionally wis- traditional wisdom would say, because the Warriors and Rockets are both offensively strong teams uh but they've both they both try to hang their hat on defense and i don't think that's something that you know can be overlooked so i think that will be uh, a fun one to watch as well so those are your nba playoff talk stuff uh we'll be back next week of course with more nba playoffs and yeah good time uh, next topic is Albert Pujols getting his 3,000th hit uh, in his MLB career. That's no small feat. Uh, 3,000 hits, if you, I don't know, space it out, like one hit per game, what, 162 games in a season? So that's, you have to play like a good 16, 17 seasons, averaging a hit a game, or uh, let me just do the math real quick. You would have to average a hit a game for 18 and a half seasons. Uh, that's remarkable to do. And what do you know? Albert Pujols got his 3,000th hit in his 18th season uh, on last Friday. And he is the 32nd player in MLB history to reach this feat. Best baseball has been played for, what, 120-something years? So we don't we, we see these guys maybe a couple times a decade. Uh, and Pujols is one of those legendary talents. Because this is a feat of not only just being a good player, but having longevity. Uh, being able to be a good player for the for a long time. Now, that's not necessarily the narrative around Pujols, but we'll get to that a little bit later. 
Uh, he's going to go, I think he's going to go down in the record books as a St. Louis Cardinal. That was when he really was the Pujols that we imagined, the machine, so to speak. Uh, making nine all-star teams, winning three MVPs, uh, getting 2,073 of his hits. So about two-thirds of his hits were accumulated as a Cardinal. And that's that's where he became a star, and that's where he developed his reputation. To bring some stats at you, his offensive wins above replacement, which is just how good you are compared to a replacement player, how many more wins you bring your team, uh, that was above six every year. So that's a really high number to be at for one single player in baseball. And just to put some contrast, he hasn't been above 4.2 uh, O war since then as an as a Los Angeles Angel, which he has been for the last, what, six, seven years? It's been a while now. Uh, time flies. But it just shows how effective he was as a Cardinal. And I think if you are newer to the sport or you're just younger, I mean, you didn't really experience how good he was uh, in St. Louis. And he's going to go down as that kind of guy. He hasn't been totally ineffective as an Angel. I mean, he has, what, 928 hits as an Angel, 175 homers, one all-star team. So, I mean, he hasn't been slacking off, or he, he hasn't been totally bad. Uh, he's just not playing up to the same... It's a combination of things. He's not playing up to the same level uh, as he was as a Cardinal. But also, the team has been pretty bad. They've only made the playoffs once in his tenure, so they're not getting that constant exposure of, you know, the the, the champagne and the parades and... And all that. Plus, he's being overshadowed by arguably the best player in baseball. I mean, not even arguably, uh, Mike Trout. So he's not gonna. He doesn't have the star appeal that he used to. He's older, um, and Mike Trout is the young, flashy guy, and he's now the old vet who just does his thing. But I'm what I what I am curious to see is what's gonna happen with Albert Pujols' legacy. Uh, he's got uh, one of the one of the first things that people usually ask when talking about legacy is, oh, how many rings do they have? Uh, he's got two of them. He won the World Series in 2006, and he won the World Series in 2011. Of course, that memorable World Series against the Rangers. Uh, so he's he's not gonna have to answer that question. But what I what what I've noticed, and I think what's just generally true, is that people tend to remember you based on how they like you. If they like you, they'll remember the good things. If they hate you, they remember the bad things. And Pujols has always been a pretty amiable guy. I mean, he has never really been... Steroids has never really been a conversation around him, at least not that I remember. Uh, and he's 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 always friendly with the media. I mean, he's not combative or anything. So I think he will... He's, he's a Hall of Famer, of course. And I think he's going to go down as one of the best players of his era. And, and rightfully so. Shoutouts. As always, first shout out, and as a Giants fan, this one pains me a little bit, but uh, I'll have to do it. It's the Dodgers. The Dodgers uh, threw a combined no-hitter last Friday. That was only the 12th in Major League Baseball history. Baseball has been around for 120 years, so we see these about once a decade. And that's pretty cool, a combined no-hitter, because, you know, usually the pitcher stays in the whole game. Um, But it also takes a lot of restraint, not only from the starting pitcher, who must respect that, you know, the manager made his decision, you're going to be taken out for whatever reason, whether it be, you know, pitch limit, inexperience, it's a close game. Um, But, and also just from the bullpen guys, being able to 
hold down the fort and be have all that pressure on you because there's a lot of pressure to know that there's a no hitter on the line. Um, the Dodgers were able to do it, so shout out to them. And then also to Ichiro Suzuki, one of the best baseball players, at least from Japan all time. Um, a few weeks ago, when we talked about Shohei, we talked about the effect that he Ichiro has had on the Japanese baseball culture and this generation of Japanese baseball players. Uh, in this, he he decided, if you missed the news, to join the front office for the rest of the year. The Mariners, he's not able to play. He might be able to come back next year, maybe for a little bit, but he's pretty close to retirement. Uh, and he he's he's got his three thousand hits in Major League Baseball. He's the he has more hits in Major League Baseball and the Japanese League than Pete Rose, which is hard to do even if the Japanese League is a lesser competition than Major League Baseball. Um, and he's opened so many doors, and he's just been such a so great with everyone. Never really people say people don't say anything bad about him, and it's only right that he's going to end his baseball career hopefully with the Seattle Mariners, the team that he grew up well not grew up with, but the team that he came over with when he was just 27 years of age uh, and really where he developed his fan base. I mean, there's a large population or there's a large fan base, Japanese fan base surrounding that team with uh, Ichiro, of course. So it's it's a fitting way for a legend to, to, to move on. Uh, and he allows himself to be embedded in the Seattle culture forever. Quick take. Kyle Lowry says the Toronto Raptors' 59-win season was a wasted year after loss to the Cavaliers uh, via Bleacher Report. Yeah, I mean, it it's a wasted year for them for sure. You you can't have 59 wins and develop and say that you're different and then lose in four games to the Cavs. Sounds like a broken record, but it's it's totally true. There's nothing to really say beyond that, and that's why I think, I mean, if you want to get over the hump, you're going to have to, like, dump your whole roster and kind of restart because they've hit a wall in the Cleveland Cavaliers. There appears to be no way to get over it. Uh, This could also be brought into a broader discussion. Maybe we should shorten the NBA regular season so that you don't tire players out and you don't get this long trudge just to get your season knocked out in, in, in four games. But, but I mean, I guess that's what playoffs are for, right? Uh, they're supposed to determine the best of the best in this year. Uh, and that's what, that's what the Raptors are unable to do. And they're not even a finals-capable team. If they were in the West, I don't think they would have made it to the finals any of these years either just because they don't have that ability to overcome adversity, and like DeMar DeRozan said after Game 2, we play best after adversity, and it's clearly not true. Game 4, your backs are against the wall, and you guys just quit? I mean, you lose by 35? That that shouldn't be what happens when you're a championship caliber team. You should at least put up a fight, lose by like 10 or something, and make it close at the end of the game, like they did in Game 3. So, that's all I've got to say about the Raptors. Uh, just a bad couple of weeks, or bad week. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Send questions. Bit.ly slash the long takes. Patreon.com slash the long takes. The long takes at gmail.com. Leave voicemails. Record your voice memos. Send them to me. Rate the podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, anywhere you get podcasts. If there isn't a place you get pod, if there's a place to get podcasts, I'm not on it. Tell me. And I will do my best. 
Uh, thank you so much for listening, as always, and I will see you next week.